had a really bad accident uh, in my house overdosing oh wow and it, sh- it was just wake up call wake up call mm-hmm. yeah. like oh I'm gonna be dead if I don't change something and about mm-hmm. it was probably five years ago when I started looking for answers uh-huh. and I remember that I started I didn't even drink before I was 27 okay so it was like wow how did I get from that to this right? yeah. from that person who that kid it was who's so afraid and all this to this man right here like I didn't get it Welcome to the Bus Seekers Podcast. This podcast is intended to inspire people to discover their true purpose and follow their bliss. We're on every single major platform. Check us out in the description. We have links to all that. Make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. Today we have a very special guest. He's an entrepreneur, a leadership coach, a speaker, an artist, and a business owner. Uh, he's the owner of Sergio Lopez Consulting and uh, save us enterprises uh, they also do business as sexy trees he's the creator of the freedom project at burning man in 2017 and a book writer that will publish in 2021 welcome to the podcast sergio welcome. lopez thank you thank you Zach. thank you for thank being you, here yeah. yeah i appreciate it i'm excited about it yeah we're excited too um actually you know joe had recommended you for for a while now she said that you really really need we really need to have you on the podcast and just by getting to know you a little bit i can i can see why right so we're very happy to have you. Thank you. I'm, I'm curious to know what uh, Joe... Why you? Why, why, yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, at, at some point, like, when you start doing things, like, obviously, the podcast, you start thinking about people, like, who would be, like, a perfect fit. And I remember we just have amazing conversations, like, three years ago. And I remember, you know, you're into, like, workshops, personal development. Um, yeah, so that's why I reach out to you, see what you're up to. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Thanks for all coming right. down Thank all you. the way from Thank New you York. Thank for thinking of me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, part of the podcast is we want to find people that are following their purpose or seeking their purpose, uh, kind of taking a break away from, you know, the everyday, you know, nine to five, like breaking away from the mold, right? Right. And uh, obviously you're an entrepreneur and you've done some amazing things in your life, so you're perfect for, for what we're about, right? But I always like to start the podcast to kind of get to know people. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, where you grew up, stuff like that. So uh, I know you were born and raised in, in... Mexico. Okay. Yeah. I was born in Aguascalientes. That's the state and city. Okay. But I was, uh, but I grew up in Querétaro. Querétaro. Uh, I guess that's where my heart is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Querétaro, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been all over Mexico because my father was born in Mexico. But is Querétaro the place where you could swim with the, the tropical fish? Like the Ooh. caves and stuff like that. Is that Querétaro or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure, actually. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it might be. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't know. I just know. It's okay because, you know. Um, but that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joe and I, we have a goal to do a YouTube channel, which is be a tourist in your own state. Because what we found out is that most people don't actually like tour where they grew up, you know? Cause you don't think about it like i'm not thinking like i want to go be a tourist in san jose california you know what i mean <laughs> but um but yeah maybe that's probably <laughs> you know yeah that's where tourist. you grew up you know that's yeah. your home in your own city right <laughs> yeah most yeah. people think i want to leave my city to go on vacation right not uh not in in my city or state right what is, what is that close to like uh, yeah it's about two and a half hours north from mexico city okay okay yeah. i know mexico city but not yeah yeah and Mexico City, they call it DEFE, right? El Distrito. Distrito Federal. Well, um, El DEFE is inside of 
Mexico City. Okay. So part of it. Okay. They call Mexico City to the whole thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so when they, when they say you're from Defe, that means you're from the central part of Mexico City. From from the it's, it's kind of like DC. Okay. You know, so you gotta be from the DC or you're from around. Oh, okay, got but it. Over there, you know, all the cities got together now. It's so big, grow so much. Yeah. So Querétaro, right? Mm-hmm. Querétaro. So mm-hmm. how how long did you live in Querétaro for? Twenty years. Twenty years. I moved here when I was twenty. Wow. So you were pretty much already grown up. Already raised Mexican, Mexican values, Mexican culture. Right. Uh, tell us a little bit about growing up in Mexico. Oh, wow. Mexico. I think there's so many different parts of Mexico, right? Yeah. Uh, when people talk about Mexico, is it's, it's so diverse and different. And some parts are wealthy and rich. And some parts are so poor. Yeah. Uh, some parts are just beautiful. I mean, I think it was a gift to yeah. grow up there. Uh, I learned a lot of things. My family lived there. Uh, my mom, my brother, and my sisters, we kind of grew up uh, apart from the family. Okay. So it was, uh, it was really interesting. It was, it was exciting. Uh-huh. Uh, I learned a lot of things. Like I said, I think when I was a kid, one of the things that I missed the most is the community. Mm. Okay. You know, it was always running around with other kids. Uh-huh. You know, my, my whole life down there was still kid and teenager. Okay. So I, I don't remember a whole lot of it. Uh, from my you know beginning uh-huh. but i do remember that i will go out and play with the kids from like six seven eight or you know until like whenever my mom will be calling me like hey you gotta go back home yeah get in you gotta do this, homework you gotta that's do this. exactly what we did in the philippines yeah i did all that we do too. is play yeah that's kind of a lost in the newer generations you know mm-hmm. i did that here when i was growing up too um obviously i'm 43 so i grew up in the 80s so Still in the United States in the 80s, kids played, you know, we played sports. I remember growing up a lot of sports. Um, what kinds of things did you do when you were a kid as far as playing? Ooh. Well, uh, around nine years old, I started playing basketball. That was, oh, really? that was my life. Ended up being my life for many years. Wow. So that's what I did. But on, on the street, we'll play either soccer or, you know, any other little game that we'll find. Yeah. Bikes or, you know anything mm-hmm. just playing around yeah that's funny because was basketball very popular in mexico at that time my mom played basketball when she was young really and she just kind of put it into us you know it's like hey you want to practice and i we did and i fell in love with it that's awesome so is your mom pretty tall um she's uh 165 centimeters so in feet that's going to be i don't know like five six five seven i don't think so i guess for a though that's pretty pretty tall it's not bad yeah yeah, yeah. you know so she played basketball wow that, that's yeah, that's she cool played basketball. yeah when she was a teenager and she really liked it and you know passed yeah. it on to us and, and the family my brother did i did okay my younger younger sister did okay. as well wow she's still doing it college yeah. <laughs> oh you, your younger sister plays in college yeah is she playing in mexico or here in the united states over there oh mexico. wow mm-hmm. that's that's really cool yeah that's awesome because you know obviously my father grew up in Mexico, so when you talk about sports, it was always pretty much soccer, right? Like, right. And nothing wrong with soccer, football, that's what they call it. That's, football. Yeah, that's the real football, you know? Okay. Uh, if you talk about football in the United States, they call it football americano, like American football. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was funny because growing up, I played baseball because in the United States in the 90s, baseball was the number one sport, right? So obviously, my dad comes from Mexico, so he loves soccer, but his son loves baseball, right? So it's like, oh, man. Um, but it was funny. He told me my grandfather in Mexico, who probably grew up in like the early 1900s, maybe like the the 40s, 30s, whatever. Uh-huh. He was a big baseball guy. Oh, yeah. But unfortunately, he passed away when I was very young because of diabetes. Right. 
which is why I'm very conscious of my health and all that kind of stuff. So I never really got to have a relationship with him. And uh, my mother always says, man, it's a shame that your grandfather passed away because when you were young, you loved baseball and he loved baseball. You guys would have got along very well, right? Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. So you grew up playing basketball. Right. Did you play soccer as well? So, yes, when I was a kid, I played soccer. I actually was a better soccer player than basketball player. <laughs> but, you know, I just felt passionate about basketball. Yeah. Right. And so how long did you play basketball for? Until I was 18. So I had my, my dream originally was to actually become a professional basketball player. Wow. Uh, you know, I didn't get a, a chance to play semi-pro. Wow. But it just didn't work out. You know, maybe I was not good enough. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I got injured. So... It was a back and forth trying to play and then injured for six months and they come back since I was 15 to 15 to 18. Okay. So then is when I was like, okay, I need to stop. And I, and I stopped. Mm -hmm. And back when the dream just crumbled, I was like, mm, what do I do with my life now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's kind of when I started to like, mm, I don't know what to do. And my family, a lot of them live here. They're like, well, why don't you just go over there and try to figure it out? You know, it's not like you're doing something really amazing here. So <laughs> why don't you just go over there yeah. and figure it out. Yeah. Right. That makes a lot of sense, actually, because um, a lot of times when people have, a, you have a dream when you're very young or like you're an athlete, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's always the dream if you're really good at sports, right? It's like, I want to be a pro athlete. But when that dream ends, you kind of come to like a identity crisis. You're like, Totally. Right? You're like, my whole life I've been doing this and this was my dream. What do I do now? Right? Right. Um, so, so that was kind of what triggered you to come to the United States was mm -hmm. you kind of were trying to part of it. Part of it. What was the other part of it? Uh, so when I was 19 years old, I started dating this girl and I realized, you know, um, I really like her. It's not like I want to get married or anything, but that probably is going to happen in the future. Right. So I do have to think about my future. So what would that be? And not knowing, then I'm like, well, you know, I don't have a really good job down here. Maybe she's just going to try it out there and figure it out. Okay. That was, you know, there are two factors that motivated me. So it was basically an opportunity, a bigger opportunity for you. I was looking for a bigger opportunity, right? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you, your family members down there uh, think about it this way, but when people go from here to there, mm -hmm. they have a lot of dollars to spend. Yeah. So you're always thinking, oh, you know, everybody makes money here, mm -hmm. so I'm just going to go over there. And they start telling you, oh, you know, they make this much an hour. They make this or that. Or you're like, wow. You start counting in your head, yeah. translating into into pesos. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you just, in your head, you want to calm. Yeah. Not knowing what the reality is here. Yeah. yeah. It's basically how it was, like, you know, coming from the Philippines. Like, everybody looks looks at America. It's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be rich. Just yeah. go over there and be rich. <laughs> and you come here. You're like, yeah, you got to go to work, too. Yeah. You got to have an education, go to work. Yeah. Then the reality yeah. sinks in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, we had uh, Hatem, our videographer, uh, on the podcast um, a couple podcasts ago. And he was telling a story and he said he thought when he came here, it was going to be the same thing. Like everything's successful. Like, you know, money's just easy. No homeless people. No homeless people. <laughs> and then he's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, and he got stuck kind of in the American nightmare, which like most a lot of immigrants do, like just working like crazy, mm -hmm. no life. Like and like you said, if you come from Mexico and maybe you're not like because there's a lot of very successful people in Mexico, very wealthy. They don't need to go nowhere. But then there's kind of like that middle or like the very poor or if you come here and you're making, let's just say, 10 bucks an hour, they used to make $7 a day in Mexico. So 10 right. bucks an hour is like, you know, eight times more than what they were mm -hmm. making, right? So it does make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And then not only that, um, there is a lot more opportunity here. There's a lot more things you could do. Um, obviously, you're an entrepreneur. We'll talk about that later. But, mm -hmm. 
you know, becoming an entrepreneur in the United States is probably is probably more open. And is it is it easier here? Would you say than in Mexico, or is it kind of the same? Really, I haven't know where to compare it. Okay. I didn't try it down there. Okay. So. <laughs> hey, there you go. Hey, at least you're honest, right? Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. try it, so I'm not sure exactly what it. No, how hot it is, but I I would assume it's not easy. Yeah. Um, it might be easier here. I think uh, the the power for you to acquire something here is easier than other places. Yeah. You know, you can buy a lot of things with with what you make in a day or in a month or. Something. Yeah. We're also a capitalist society too, so I'm. I'm. I think I know NAFTA changed Mexico a lot. Like you know, um, but um, w the United States is built on capitalism, entrepreneur. Basically, whoever wants to come here and bust their butt and and go after it, they'll get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. agree. And so that's kind of like maybe that's makes it a little bit easier. Uh, but let's get it back to when you came, because. Um, I asked Joe this. I asked most immigrants, like, you know, I said, what's the, what did, what was your, like, perception of the U.S. before you came here, right? And then what happened when you got here? Like, because, yeah, I know people have a different perception, you know. You have no idea. Yeah. So how different my perception was. I, <laughs> so I thought everything was, like, you know, Beverly Hills, 1920. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's what yeah. I thought of all the schools were like and that's what oh, i thought wow. or, or your friends yeah that, that's exactly what i thought it was like <laughs> but then i moved here and i was so naive yeah. i didn't speak the language at all right uh -huh. mm -hmm. and i came here illegally so it was not that easy and i was like oh wow you need like documents and you need like to speak english to get a job and you need all these things and i was like oh crap like, yeah what did i do <laughs> yeah and it was for like six months just crying every single day yeah. it was just it was bad i mean i had completely shocked Mm -hmm. And didn't so realize complete it was culture like shock. Complete culture shock. Yeah, I was so, you know my world would be in basketball, and not knowing really a lot about life. Then mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with myself at that point. Yeah. Did you go back to Mexico or you just stayed? No, in I the stayed. US? Good. I stayed. I mm -hmm. stayed here, and you know, twenty years later, I'm here. You know, right. I, I visited, but yeah. no, I, I think I'm. Sometimes I sometimes I think about, ooh, would I go back? And then it's like five minutes later, like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, by now, no, right? Yeah. By now, no. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's talk about that. So for six months, it was just shock. It was like, like you said, crying. I mean, I can't imagine. I've never, I've never left my country. Like, you know, there's a lot of courage um, that comes with being an immigrant, I would say, because you're leaving everything behind. Mm -hmm. Like everything you know, and you're going to a whole new country, whole new, especially if you don't speak the language, that even makes it even tougher, you know? Mm -hmm. So now the six months are over. How did you start picking up the pieces and like like starting your life in the U.S.? What was the first? What happened? So there are a few different things. Uh, first, I think my family. So I came here and I and I live in a house in Richmond where a lot of people, the family, live here. So mm -hmm. if you move here, you could live there. They you know they were open. Mm -hmm. They were helping. So they kind of helped me out a yeah. lot at the beginning. Just kind of getting me situated they got me a job they they moved me around you know they helped me with my first car so there was mm -hmm. a lot of things that's good and they also took me to uh, a youth uh, church group okay mm -hmm. so i started making friends and things like that so you little by little you start making a life okay and just progressing and forgetting about what happened over there and mm -hmm. just thinking about my future mm -hmm. um and then i met a girl <laughs> you met a girl met in a richmond girl, uh at the youth group okay you know well, at least you met her there not like a club mm -hmm. or something right yeah, yeah. Well, 
you know, <laughs> I think everybody could be anything anywhere. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you're very right about that. Because <laughs> there's some people in church that just because they go to church doesn't mean they're a great person. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And just because they don't go to church doesn't mean they're a great person either, right? Yeah, I was yeah. watching a show with uh, the other day about David Chappelle. He would say, you know, he's Muslim. Yeah. He's like, I, I'm Muslim. I'm not very good Muslim. Yeah. yeah. So Is he like, really Muslim? Right. Yeah. You wouldn't think so, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, so what was your first job? Landscaping. Okay, that's funny. And you ended up. It, I was making seven dollars and fifty cents. Wow. <laughs> and I remember, you know, after all the checks and all that, something that you were talking about. The shocking part: the first month of rent came in and, and expenses and food and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "I'm renting a room." It's like, how is that possible? That's the cost of a house. I right. Over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not knowing what the prices are here, you know, mm. it's like, oh, wow. So you make a lot more, but you spend a lot more. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so you got a little taste of the cost of living. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously the Bay Area, I mean, it's crazy now, but I'm pretty sure 20 years ago, it was still pretty high, um, the cost of living. But now, I mean, I can't even imagine someone coming to the Bay Area now with the cost of living the way it is now. It's mm-hmm. like insane, right? Yeah. So you had your own apartment? No, not at the beginning. I lived with them, with my uh, that fam- with the family, my uncles and all that. Yeah, yeah. In okay. that house, so they rented me a, a room. Okay. And that's how I started it. Okay. Right. It was well at the beginning. Actually, it was not a you know not, not even a room. It was just the living room. The living oh, room. Okay. Yeah. Sleep in the couch. On the couch. Yeah. Right? yeah. Couch. That's funny because um, you just reminded me when I was like twelve, my cousin from Mexico came here and stayed with us. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was cool though because I never had a, a brother. I just have a younger sister, uh, but he became kind of like my older brother, right? Which was good and bad, right? It was good because I actually had a male, like brother-like figure in my life, but it was also bad because we were so different and we would argue all the time and like fight all the time. But I'm pretty sure that's what brothers do, right? You know, right. he'd steal my clothes. I was still his clothes, you know? Uh, but, but yeah, it's funny. You reminded me, <laughs> my cousin came here and obviously the uncle, right? The brother helps out the brother's son, right? right? And he actually still in the United States to this day, living in Southern California. Uh, but he came here when he, like I was 12. He was, a lot, he was a little bit older. He was like maybe four or five years older than me. So you remember right now, um, me and my brother, we will always fight. Yeah. But we will be like brutally fighting. Like, yeah, I heard that's how, I heard that's how boys are. Yeah. Like breaking things. I, I broke every door in the house, lights, wow. <laughs> everything. I mean, we were vicious. It was, yeah. it was intense. We fought. And then I moved. And all of a sudden, we don't fight anymore. And now yeah. we miss each other. <laughs> yeah. We love each other. Yeah. That's and what happened. Express our emotions. And yeah. it's like, oh man, I miss my brother. And yeah. I was like, I'm crying because I don't see my brother. Yeah. How old is your brother? three years younger than younger. me uh-huh. oh so you're the older brother i'm the oldest oh wow so yeah. he, you're kind of like his mentor mm-hmm. he, he probably looked up to you a lot i don't no? know he looked up to me i don't know oh uh, i don't know I is really he is know. in mexico he's in mexico oh, yeah. okay oh so yep. he stayed but be- he stayed behind mm-hmm. is, stay behind. is he like what is he doing right now uh he works for the uh federal uh, uh electricity commission okay so he has a pretty good job it's government yeah job, pretty good much. career um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah has a wife two kids oh so he's got his family he's got his career and everything yep yep what does he say about you being coming here and building your life in the united states is he like man i wish i did too or is he kind of like whatever he came here and he lived here uh for eight months okay so he actually came 
And he didn't like it. He didn't like, like it, okay. Yeah, so I think he was in the middle of college and he thought about just quitting college and mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to go over there and make money. And then he came here, realized it was not that easy. <laughs> He's like, no, like, yeah. I'm just going to go back yeah. and go back to school. And he did that. Oh, that's cool. Go back to school and yeah. figure it out. So I want to get back to the brother, the sibling rivalry, right? Because mm -hmm. like I said, I never had brothers. And I don't know if it's good or bad, but my brother-in-law, Mm -hmm. He comes from a family of eight. He's uh, he's New Zealand Irish, the big big white guy, right? Very very cool guy. But he grew up with basically four boys around the same age, and mm -hmm. they would tell me stories of like when they used to like literally, like you said, literally almost try to kill each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, am. I have scars. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe you could tell a story, but I, I just want to mention something real quick. I think it's a good thing though, because it makes you very competitive. And it makes you a little tougher because ever since you're young, you're always fighting and tr like you're always trying to one up each other and compete. Right. I don't know if that helped you in sports. Like, I don't know if that kind of prepared you for that. But I noticed that that both guys, when they grow up with brothers, they're maybe a little bit more tougher. They're a little bit more competitive. Uh, they just have that little edge because ever since they're little, they're basically kicking each other's mm. butt. You know what I mean? And That's basically me and my brother. Oh, really? We fight so much, wow. but he made me tougher. There you go. That's For a good sure. thing. I should throw cooking pans at him. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of that chancla in the Philippines, anything, it's the pan. Anything. Yeah. Anything. It was the like, pan. go yeah. away, you're annoying. Yeah. 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 I had a younger sister. So for me, it was more like the older brother, mm. kind of like take care of her mm. and that kind of stuff, right? But I don't know. Tell us like, what's the craziest thing you guys ever like? Like, some of your scars what, what, if you want to share you know he stabbed me <laughs> he stabbed you he stabbed you when I would have nab with the you know just the the pole of the uh, the broom like the broom broke the, it okay. and it was it was pretty pointy it's, yeah. it's thick you know yeah, yeah. it's probably inch he just stabbed me with it and created a scar oh my I burned it I burned him with the uh, ironing oh, with the iron uh, uh -huh. he threw like pieces of metal to me and you know mess up my nose and oh things my like God. that. I mean, it was bad. We, we, we have a good amount of scars. And that was just from whatever? Like No, I, th I think um, the way we grew up, uh, it was it was not that easy. It was tough. My mm -hmm. father left and, you okay. know, mm. didn't leave a good picture behind. Okay. Uh, so I think we absorbed some of that. Uh, yeah. I myself was kind of a aggressive kid at home. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So I was always picking on him. Okay. Always picking on him. You gotcha. Know? So you were the bully. I was the bully. <laughs> I ah. was the bully and he will, you know, he would not take it and, and explode. Wow. Yeah. So that was his thing. He mm -hmm. will he will not do anything, just help back, help back, help back and then explode. Wow. And so he would explode on me sometimes <laughs> and he was I would just run, you yeah. know. Sometimes I would run, lock the door yeah. and he will take down the door. Like oh he my would God. take down the door. I think we broke like three doors. Oh my God. And what was your mom doing when yeah, this all was happening? Mom. Oh my I I mean I feel sorry for my mom. <laughs> I feel so sorry for my mom. It would be where the devil. Wow. <laughs> I, I remember one time this is not with the brother, but I remember he, sometimes my brother will be you know, my accomplice and things, right? Mm. Ah. I remember once I used to like playing with fire. Yeah. So, right, I was playing with alcohol and fire. Oh, and, wow. it, and then I got the, the carpet on fire. Oh, shoot. And then I got my head on fire. <laughs> Your head on fire? <laughs> the hair. Yeah. And we put it out. We put it out and then thinking I'm, I'm smart, right? Yeah. And then I cut a piece of the carpet that was burned. No. And then I cut my hair, you know, and thinking I'm going to fool my mom. Yeah. And she walked in through the door. The first step, just hear the water. Oh wow! And I was like, "Oh, I'm in trouble." Yeah. She's like, "What the hell?" Yeah. 
not, not thinking the big missing piece of carpet in here. <laughs> who would have think right? yeah yeah that's that's who it was that's the way kids think right you know it's like oh she she won't notice the big missing we, we think we're smarter yeah exactly mm-hmm. and then when we're teenagers we think we're even smarter exactly mm-hmm. right and then we find out they were always a lot smarter than us, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My dad used to say something to me. He's like, you hate me now, but you're going to thank me later, you know? And I didn't understood it because, you know, um, my dad was, when I was growing up, my dad was more like a drill sergeant. And I, I, a lot of Latino men are like that. They don't like to show love. They don't like to hug. It's just right. like strict, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, But I realized my dad was just trying to keep his family on the right path. And, uh, and, and I used to get mad at him and like, I, you just, I don't let me do anything. Right. And then later in life, I was like, wow, like, thank you, dad. Like he kept me out of so many things. Like, you know, I had friends and family members that went down the wrong path Mm. because they were, their parents Mm. were maybe a little more lax, you know? Mm. And, uh, you know, it was, it was good and bad in a way, but, um, but yeah, it's funny. We're we're young. We think we know everything. We think our parents are just, you know, they're just doing this and they have no idea and you don't get it. But later in life. So, so your mom survived two crazy boys. Yes, she did. Yeah. And then you said you had a sister too, right? Two. Two so sisters. Oh, two sisters. so how, what were the girls like? Were they the same way? Competitive with each other? Uh, the oldest is very, yeah, well, not so much anymore, but she used to be very emotional when she was a teenager, right? Uh, okay. So everything was like the end of the world. Okay. Um, and it was, and was it your, your guys' fault a lot of times? Yeah, probably. Uh, okay. was, you know, um, but she, she's better now. You know, she she grew up yeah, like everybody. Yeah. So when I experience my sisters going through those years, mm-hmm. it makes me think like, oh, man, that's how I used to be probably or worse. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's just part of life, I guess. So they're younger than you guys. Yeah, they're much younger. Okay. Uh, Juan actually just turned, uh, yesterday, she turned 21. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I mean uh, 26. And the other one turned 21 a week ago. Oh, wow. Very young. Mm-hmm. So that's like a whole new generation. Yes. yes. Wow. So my mom started all over again. Oh, okay. So so is she remarried now or? Uh, she didn't remarry, but she, uh, she has a, a new partner. partner. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So your two sisters are from her new partner. Yeah. And what was that like? Were you already gone out of the house when they were when they were born? Yeah, I was gone. Oh well, wow. No, uh, no, actually no. I'll take that back. Sorry. Okay. Um, my oldest was five, and the youngest was nine months when I left. Oh, so they were very young though. Very young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like having to leave your, your little sisters? Was that tough? Ooh, it was tough. Really? It was yeah. tough. Um, there was a lot of guilt in my head. Yeah, I can it. imagine. Yeah. Um, she she was very difficult for some years. And uh-huh. you kind of you blame it on me and myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, yeah. there's not a whole lot you can do. Yeah. Because uh, you're not the parent and you're not there. So who are you to tell her how to how to be or how right. to behave? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could see where you can kind of feel like that too. But in the end, it's really not your fault. Like, you, you got to... No. Yeah, right. you, you got to go live your life. So so now you're in the United States. You got your first job. You're doing landscaping. You got you, you met this girl. What happened after that? So um, I started doing just that, that job for a little while. It was only, I think, six months. And right. I wanted to go into construction because they make more money. And it was right. doing work and all that. So I tried that out. Uh, didn't work. Uh, when I met the girl is when i finally decided to stay well actually I'm, i married the girl oh you did and oh. i divorced the girl oh okay that's, oh, okay. Uh, that's okay, okay. I'm, I'm divorced myself too so i understand yeah so You're, how old were you pretty young i was really young yeah i, I was 21 and oh we got married when i was 20 oh. no i was probably 22 got married when i was 24 okay mm-hmm. divorced when i was 27 yeah mm-hmm. so i got yeah. married at 26 and divorced at 28 so yeah. and it was it was mostly me i mean 
I had no idea how to be in a relationship yeah. really. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I yeah. know that. I know that now. Yeah, trust me. Mm-hmm. I do too. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's the Latino thing or maybe it's just similar personalities, but I was always like driven by my heart and passionate and ah, but my brain would not follow till a lot later, you know? <laughs> um, and so like, you know, I got married and, you know, it, it didn't really work out, but um you know it, it's just it, it was more like a lesson than than a bad thing mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and then like when you get married young it's like i mean it's either either you it will last forever or it's just like a lesson right right i mean i learned a lot it just it just didn't seem like it you know when you get divorced you right know, at the beginning you you know there was so many things feel like you feel like you're a failure the worst thing that can happen all these things you know the pain and the hurt and all these things but then you know, you start learning from the mistake and little by little you progress. And I don't learn from all my mistakes. Sometimes it takes me a really long time yeah. mm-hmm. to get it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, now, thankfully, you know, I'm grateful that I had that experience. So mm-hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here, right? Yeah. Would you get married again? Oh, definitely. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to touch on something you said because um, I went through the same exact thing, like thinking you're a failure thinking that you like it doesn't even matter who messed up or who divorced who it does something to you like Mm -hmm. um because if you married somebody you met somebody that you even considered marrying like there was some type of like connection or like love or like something right Mm -hmm. and so i like you for years like i just beat myself up about it but it was it was kind of like a thing where before that happened like my whole life was success and I never really failed at anything, so mm-hmm. I didn't really ever lose, so I never appreciate anything. And then after that, it was all those feelings, like you said, like failure, like I messed up, like depression, like this. And then I read a book. It was called 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class. And in the book, it says successful people or world-class people are professional failures. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Professional failures? Well, it says they don't look at failure as failure. They look at it as a lesson. Mm-hmm. And it says, I cannot fail. I can only learn and grow. And that's how they think. Right. Um, yeah. So in the book, there's a quote. It says, uh, the world class or successful people are professional failures. Uh, and so at first I understand. I was like, what do you mean? Like, how could they be professional failures if they're successful? And it says, well, it says, I cannot fail. I can only learn and grow. And growth itself contains the the germ of happiness. Mm. So all these years I was beating myself up for the divorce. Because like, like I literally lost everything. So at 29, I was making 400000 a year. I had my own real estate company. I was married. I had a home I built from scratch. Two dogs, dream car, picket fence. Like I had it all, right? I thought I finally made it. A year later, I'm divorced, business collapsed, credit was destroyed, lost all my houses, filed bankruptcy, got a car repoed, you know, had to move back home with my parents and then my dog dies, right? So this was the whole 2008 crash, right? Because I was in real estate. Wow. Is that it? Yeah. Is that it? Right. You know, exactly. Almost everything, you know, besides like a limb or my life, I lost pretty much everything. But so I did beat myself up a lot for years. But then when I read that book and I was like, it just changed my whole perspective on failure, right? And I was like, well, I didn't fail because I learned something. I'm different. 
like i'm not the same person like i appreciate things and that was literally what changed my whole perspective and that was like the road to coming out of the hole and kind of leading to where where i am now right so i just wanted to touch on that because i remember i mean i almost like i was like seeing like i went through the same thing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah you know i think what happens is the perspective of of that right so it's the same action the actions haven't changed same facts it's just how you see it yeah and how you are able to grow with it yes and the fact that you're able to see it in a different way you feel different mm-hmm. and when you feel different then you're you know see life differently yeah right so you have about life in a different way than just beating yourself up for it and, and guilt and shame does not bring anything good yeah, yeah. beating yourself up is just, just a waste of time you could do that for five minutes yeah and then you got to get over it or else you're gonna waste your energy yeah, yeah. but Tony, i was 28 Tony robin says if you can do it in 90 seconds who tony robbins 90 seconds if you can do it in 90 seconds then because we spend a lot of time on that space yeah beating ourselves up. yeah that's way true. too much everybody yeah yeah, yeah. And, you know i was 28 i didn't know you know what i mean like i had to learn this kind of stuff like mm-hmm. nobody nobody unless your parents teach you this kind of stuff like i know it now because i've been in organizations where i read a lot of books and you know personal development and i always kind of had that little like that, that little drive like mm-hmm. i was meant for something bigger mm-hmm. but dealing with adversity i had never learned like it was not a skill that i was taught and most people are not taught right right and like you said everybody's gonna fall i mean adversity is just part of life right so a lot of people go oh maybe that happened maybe that's a sign that i'm not no that's just life right and it's not what happens to you it's how you react to it and like you said how quickly you get out of it mm-hmm. right but if we're not taught that yeah. you have to read a book or you have to come across somebody that can teach you how to get out how did you get out of your your adversity or that you could that little t- time in your i life? didn't get out of it in a good way actually when i got divorced i you know i blame it i blame it on two things i blame it on her and i blame it on on money okay you know i don't have enough money we don't have enough time right. it's, it, you find all the excuses to say it's my fault uh and i hated her and i developed a hate for women at that point wow so i was mm-hmm. like Fuck this, fuck that. Yeah. It's okay, you can cuss, it's a podcast. So. It, okay, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I'm going to do all this and and then I move on like that and then from that point forward, I look at my relationship in a different way and it took me many years to catch up and finally, it's like, oh, this is wrong. Wow. Mm-hmm. You can't hate women for this, you can't hate everybody, you, can, you know, from that point forward, I was like, you know, my heart's not open. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just relationship about business. Yeah. You know, kind of like, <laughs> transactions and it, you, it's, it's hard to live that way yeah. and it took me a long time to figure it out you know a lot of things happened for me to open my eyes and figure out that was not the way so to answer to your question i didn't really just went over the the hedge it did a good thing on me though the part uh that i blame it on money uh-huh. that was not so bad because i was like oh i i need to have a lot more money so mm-hmm. it was a decision that i made at that point and it was like, you know, how much I need? I need to make double in one year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I doubled that and tripled that and just in a year. So it really inspired me to get better, you know, to learn, to yeah. grow, to f- find opportunities that I thought were too far for me. Well, that's good because you actually took it as a positive way instead of going the opposite way. You know yeah, what I mean? So I did both. It was part of it was good. Part of it was Yeah. Good. So you went, you went kind of a bad way in relationships, which it's funny. Like, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought them on because we have a very similar story. I didn't hate women, but once your heart closes, 
every relationship is pretty much transactional after that. Like I went over a decade. Like it, it's crazy. Like I'm going to be 43 in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It's not literally my heart did not even open up until just a couple of years ago. I didn't even realize that. Like I didn't even realize that I was not even open to relationships. In the beginning, it was bad because I would just tell them like, don't start developing feelings for me. Don't because you're not going to get it back. And obviously, if you're with somebody, they're always going to develop feelings, right? So it would be this transactional relationships that when they would develop feelings, I would just end it and move on, right? Right. And that's not good for for anybody, right? For myself or for the relationships, right? And then you also mentioned money. So I, I, uh, my previous career was in the financial industry and we, we understood how valuable financial education was because it is true. Like, I don't know if your divorce was because of money, maybe it's part of it, but most divorces are because of money mm-hmm. and it's because people don't know about money. They don't, I mean, you play basketball, right? Right. Let's say you and I are going to play basketball, but I don't know the rules of basketball. I have no clue how to play the game, but you know, basketball, you know, the rules, who's going to win. Right. Obviously, you're going to kill me, right? Because I don't, I don't even know how to dribble. I'm going to be double dribbling. I'm going to be going the wrong way. Well, let's talk about money. If people don't know the rules of money, are they going to win the money game? Exactly. Of course not, right? So, yeah, when it comes to relationships and stuff, money's a big thing, especially if people have different like money blueprints or one person's a spender, one person's a saver, mm-hmm. or you just don't know anything about money and you're just struggling. Right. Right. And then there comes a lot of arguments. Yeah. And for me, I think it was, um, making money, but still have this poor mentality, yeah. you know, and then buying things out of, you know, cars and houses yeah. that I can't afford just so I look good. And yep. that's still a poor people mentality, right? <laughs> you want to portray that image that instead of uh, learning how to manage their money, learning, you know, yes, I have money, it came, but how do I use it? How you go about it? It's, it's all about you, what you believe in, how you, uh, in a way, the value that you give yourself as a person mm-hmm. is the same value you give to money in a way. Yeah, 100%. So It's energy too. Yeah. Money's energy. Yeah, and 100%. having a healthy relationship with money is so important. Mm-hmm. So important. It, yeah. yeah, so... I'm glad you said that because money is a mindset. Like, mm-hmm. so the organization I came from, there's people making lots of money. Like I'm talking about quarter million, half a million, 750,000, 1 million, 3 million a year. Mm-hmm. And my CEO, he was only 38, making $6 million a year. And he would always say, money's a mindset, money's a mindset. And because we all come with limiting beliefs of money, unless we come from a wealthy family, you have limiting beliefs of money, bottom mm-hmm. line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you always wonder, like, these kids of wealthy people, like, you look at them and some of them are not very bright. Some of them are not very hardworking. But they somehow always seem to become successful, right? Either A, sometimes it was given to them, but they have the money, the right money blueprint since young, right? So they're not afraid of money. Like, you know, we hear things like money doesn't grow on trees. Only evil people have money. The rich people are evil. Those are all limiting beliefs that are passed down from generation to generation to generation. Like you said, if you don't know money, like you're never, like you said, you're buying things for people you don't like, to impress people you don't like, that that they don't even care anyways, right? You know what I mean? So it's like, we always have this bad money blueprint. And then until somehow you either come across some education or someone that actually knows what to do with money and you get taught, then you could change it. How was your money blueprint changed? Because, I mean, you're a businessman now. You're, you're so, successful. Uh, you know, at that point when I got divorced, I just had this 
I have to make money. Okay. So, and I did the best way I could, right? So, I was like, okay, I want a higher position in the company I'm at. So, I remember going to my old boss and it's like, hey, I want to make more money, you know? And, and I was just a painter back right. in the day. I was a painter. And I, I think I was making 17 bucks an hour or something like that. Mm -hmm. you know, but I, I knew, in my head, I still trying to learn, but in my head at that point, it felt like, well, if I make like 35, maybe that's enough. Mm -hmm. Right. So I went to my boss and was like, hey, you know what? I, I need a higher position. I, I need more money. I don't care what I have to do. I need more. And he's like, well, you know, well, maybe like ask me in two weeks. And he just went around and he finally gave me a decision like, oh, I'm going to give you $2 now and three months, two more. And I was like, that's not enough. You know, <laughs> in my head, like yeah. that's not enough mm -hmm. for having the house I wanted for having this, this and that. Mm -hmm. So I went and looked for another opportunity and I fell in a company where I lasted for 10 years. And I went there and uh, started working as a foreman and just went up the ladder really fast and, you know, started making six digits very soon. And that's when I started making more money, but I started spending a lot of money. Right. It's, it's still with the same, the same you, blueprint. Know, I, you know, I have a car, I have a truck, I have a motorcycle, yeah. and I live in a nice house by myself. So it's all these yeah. things just to have this image that I didn't understand at the moment. Yeah. Right. And then you know, talking about with women, it was something similar. Now I make money. And I was like, well, nobody's going to tell me anything right now. Yeah. You know? like, I don't have money and I'm okay looking. So guess what? You want a relationship with me? It's not going to happen. My heart's not open for business. Wow. You know, and it's just being, uh, yeah, kind of a jackass. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're being honest. Yeah. Hey. yeah I mean, I, I, that's what I turned into. And mm. you know, it took me a long time to learn. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I want to just talk about that real quick because um, I was always broke my whole life. Like I was a college student. And, and I, I don't know how to say this the right way, but let's just say women was pretty easy, right? And then I started making all this money and I tried to throw it at women because I thought that would attract them. And it had the opposite effect. Like either A, I attracted the wrong type. Like they were just there for the money. When the money was gone, they were gone, right? Or B, it made me look super insecure because it made me look like I needed money for them to like me. When before, when I had no money, I was just myself and then they liked me because i was myself right yeah. so um i don't know that was kind of funny so guys out there it's not about money it, money's good you can't be broke they don't want someone that's broke right but you have to be confident you have to be able to carry a conversation you have to make them laugh like you have to believe in yourself like you could have money but if you don't have all that the other stuff ain't gonna happen right you yeah. gotta be real yeah i you think know? if you start being yourself yourself that's mm -hmm. a big win yeah mm -hmm. and i think that's part of a, who i was not I was okay. not myself mm -hmm. I, I was I had this image. If I have these things, they'll like me. You know, I yeah. get their approval. We all, so you we were all stuck have in that, that image, hmm? yeah, basically. We get it from from uh, culture. You know what I mean? Media. I don't know who was your influence on culture, but like, you know, we see modern pop culture. It's like, oh, if the dude has the cars and the money and this, then he gets, you know, the girls, right? And it's funny. Uh, I think it was Chris Rock. Uh, he says... The only reason guys want money is because that's they think that's how they can get women. He's like, yep. if a guy can get women in a cardboard box, he'd be living <laughs> in a cardboard box. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't know, like, if I agree with that hundred percent, but that. it makes sense, right? right? Yeah. Okay. So, so now you're in your career, ten years, making six figures, like living it up. Had all the toys, had the house. Where were you living at that time? San Francisco. Oh wow, in the city too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's a. That's that's it. I mean, you definitely were living it up. I would say. Yeah, I was. I was having a good life between quote unquote. You know, my my it was work, and aside from work, 
all weekends was just parties, you know, right. mm -hmm. parties and alcohol and women and drugs yeah. and yeah. bring it all. And yeah. just, uh, week after week just for years. Just a vicious cycle, right? Yeah. Just a vicious cycle. And when did you stop? <laughs> a couple years ago, probably three years ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. It was a slow stop. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the first time um, I, I had a really bad accident uh, in my house, overdosing. Oh, wow. And it, it made me, it, sh it was just, wake up call wake up call mm -hmm. like oh i'm gonna be dead if i don't change something and about mm -hmm. it was probably five years ago when i started looking for answers uh -huh. and i remember that i started i didn't even drink before i was 27 okay so it was like wow how did i get from that to this right yeah. from that person who that kid it was who was so afraid and all this to this man right here like i didn't get it mm -hmm. so the first thing i did it was like well maybe i need to start exercising again mm. you know and you can't really mix being an athlete or exercising with partying all the time you know yeah <laughs> so i struggled with that for a while then i started reading uh mm. workshops you know coaches mm. therapists it was like it was many things. It was not one, and it was little, gradual, little by little. It started teaching me, and uh, I had to learn some way because I didn't have, I had still that image, so mm -hmm. nobody knew. Mm -hmm. and probably, actually, some people is gonna find out right now. There you go. So and that's what <laughs> my okay. book is about. A lot yeah. of it, you know, is mm -hmm. I lived like two completely different lives. Wow. Mm -hmm. What my family thought of me, like they might thought a few things were weird mm. but you know the extreme it was uh, yeah they don't even know but you know mm. what it's it's good to be real because too many people live uh inauthentic or they try to live this life to please everybody else but then what that does is it maybe drives you to do this life where you're un you're unhappy mm -hmm. and then you act out by doing all these things because you think so you're like completely confused when if you're just like i'm gonna be myself no matter what anybody thinks and i know that's very very difficult maybe it would have been different maybe not i don't know but i i can kind of relate to you a lot because the divorce like one thing i forgot to mention so before the divorce i always had great relationships mm -hmm. i always had just amazing women inside and out just great people like good relationships um well i attracted good women i wouldn't say i was a good, good partner but i always attracted good women that you would want to marry right mm -hmm. after that I got into like really toxic relationships, like bad ones. And I had never been in toxic relationships before. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it had to do with the the vibe, the energy I was putting out there was with, with the type of person I was attracting. You know what right. I mean? But getting back to you, um, it's pretty awesome because most people will not break out of it. Like most people would not go to the path that you did of like complete and total transformation how did that happen? Was it just something inside of you? Like you knew you were worth better or did you have people around you that kind of helped you? So uh, the first thing was, you know, when that happened, that episode happened um, and, and it's, it was not like in the movies and there was no light under the tunnel, oh. <laughs> anything like that. Um, but I, did, I was able for the first time in my life see myself, my life, people around me, this world in a completely different perspective. Okay. And then it's when I realized, like, wow, there's, there's something really wrong here. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what it is. I don't know where it's coming from. And, and again, through the therapy, workshops, and all those things, I started finding out why are they acting out of this? You know, uh, I was somebody living two lives, and it was eating me from inside out. Yeah. You know, being not you in front of so many people, pretending to be somebody else, it was just killing me. Literally, yeah. I was killing myself mm -hmm. um, for to be somebody else or putting this face to the world and you know 
once I got to the episode and started working out on all those things, mm-hmm. then I started to see if I was myself. The more I was myself, the happier I was. And it's not like everything's happy, but that's when I came to think, you know, I was in a company where I wanted to leave for years. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the guts to leave, right? I was, I was making money. I, I didn't know what it would be like to be outside on my own and just uh, being afraid. So that's why I ended up actually leaving that place as well, because I knew that I was meant for something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why the Burning Man project, right? I knew there was some other things. I wanted to be an, an influence to good people in the world. I, I came to think either I'm a good influence on people or I'm a bad influence. And right. that it goes for my partners, for my family, for the people in this world. And I realized, you know, I'm doing this job gives me money, mm-hmm. but it's not helping anyone yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's not really helping anyone to be a better person it's not helping me be a better person so i knew i had to live to really work on that and discover that and work towards something else and make a difference in this world yeah so you liberated yourself basically in a way yeah mm-hmm. it was it was a choice to be you know you just can't be here uh, mm-hmm. I, I need to find more about myself and that there is out there i know that yeah so a couple things uh, you said some really good things uh number one i think there's uh, some leadership inside of you because a leader cares about others before they care about themselves and so i guess you found yourself in a position where you weren't leading you weren't helping you weren't doing anything and maybe the leader inside of you said hey sergio you need to get your shit together like this is not you you know Mm -hmm. so that's one thing the other thing you said is um working out too many people turn to medication when they're depressed, like, oh, I need to go take pills or whatever, when they don't realize that exercise is probably the number one cure for depression. Like, it's better than actual medications. They've proven it, right? And maybe that comes from your athletic background mm-hmm. because you kind of went to the well. You said, hey, well, this is what, what, when I was young, this is what made me confident and good and this is who I am. Or maybe I guess you just kind of went back to who you truly were, a leader, an athlete, someone who wants to help others right and it's funny because again same thing like like i said my previous career is a great career i really i don't regret it but i did not feel like i was being myself i felt like i was chasing money i wasn't chasing my purpose and i was miserable right now i feel like man i'm chasing my purpose i'm excited and things are just flowing and happening right kind of the same with you so um so after that happened and you started going around where did you go next after i make that change yeah <clears throat> so you left the job now what i lived yeah so I, I was not prepared you know i left the job and i had credit card debt and <laughs> i have no money just yeah. my way of life right yeah Living in san francisco and point all the time we're spending a lot of money just on right on nothing yes um but anyway it was an experience and i learned it was good for what it was and bad for what it was i think uh i left the job and i there was a few things that i knew i wanted there was I really want to get back in shape. Okay. That's one, right? Just the unhealthy life, what I put oh, my yeah. body through it. And I also started developing like a really bad anxiety. Yeah. So even you know, if I smoke or I, or I drink, you know, I, I started feeling like my heart's not doing well. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Oh, wow. You know, it's just yeah. a bad anxiety I developed because of, you know, everything I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to get healthy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be really, you know, go back to being that person. The other one, I wanted to write a book. Okay. It was like not knowing, you know, like everything I lived 
is so much it's not a very typical immigrant story uh, mm-hmm. in many ways uh, that I I get to say it I get to put it out there because I don't want other people to you know go to the same right. I feel like it was very liberating just to open up and be myself and and I know there's other men out there who are living you know a mask there's a completely there's uh, videos there's books about how men leave behind mask right. for many reasons mm-hmm. so I was like you know exposing what it is what it was real it was uh, something that I, I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to open a coaching consultant business. You know, I was like, oh, I know a little bit about business. Yeah. I know a little bit of life coaching. And mm-hmm. like, let's go with it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I went and started doing it. And I think I finished my book in nine months. Wow. I had no idea. I thought it was going to be so much easier. That was your first book. <laughs> the, three, the first three months, I did 90% in the first three months. And it took me oh, six shoot. months to the last ten. Oh, that's wow. usually the case, I think. Yeah, you know, it was just like, oh wow, this is a lot harder than my mm. time. But it was good. It was therapeutic because yeah. writing all my different stories that I left, it was very ther- therapeutic to yeah. to move on with myself. Yeah. And the coaching business, you know, has been going up and down, and I learned a lot, fell on my face, you know, yeah. and pick up myself up and go yeah. from there. Going back a little bit to the uh, failure that you were talking about. Uh, I remember about six months ago, maybe nine months ago, mm-hmm. I talked to my ex uh, uh, boss, my CEO as well. You know, another person like yourself, you know, million dollar businesses, yeah. very successful. A mentor, Le- basically. Yeah. So I called him. It's like, for as long as you're open to talk to me, I always had them and I never asked him questions about finances, about nothing. Yeah. He was always there. Mm. So I thought, you know, it's my fault. So I called him and, you know, talked to him a little bit. He's like, how, how did you become so successful? I, I need to know. Yeah. Because that's what I want. And he's like, well, sir, you, everybody looks at my successes, but I bankrupt like a ton of companies. Yeah. He's like, nobody looks at that. Mm. And he's like, you know, he's kind of going, have to figure it out. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that makes there sense. You go. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, looking at failing a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my girlfriend, Elaine, she is an entrepreneur for many years. She has such a thick skin, you know. Yeah. She looks at failure such a different way. And me being so new in this yeah. entrepreneurship, and it's like, I don't ever want to fail, so I do want to calculate every move, yeah. and you still fail. Yeah, yeah, you, know, <laughs> you still fail. Yeah. So it's it's a learning and process. Uh, so you went back to the well and talked to your old mentor, basically a very successful guy, but he straight told you, "Well, it's because I failed so many times, that's why I'm here, right?" Yeah, and there's a few other people that I talked to. There was just one week, and I was like, you know what? Who I know that are very successful? There's this and that. I'm gonna call them all. And see what I have to say. That's pretty yeah. smart, though, because mm-hmm. nobody usually thinks of that. What made you think of that? Because, like, I mean, honestly, like, not very many people would think I'm going to go back to all the successful people I know and ask for advice. What What was it that made you think of that? Did you just have it inside of you? Did you read something? Did you hear something? I, I think around that time is when I read uh, um, Tribe of Billionaires or Tribe, okay. Tribe of Millionaires, something okay. like that. So and reading, okay. Reading, yeah. I mean since one of the things i picked up another reason is since i left the company of four years ago when i started changing there is no day i go by without listening to a book or reading something i mean i read for sure a lot more books in the last two years than my entire life wow and it's just a practice uh you know learning something right yeah that's all it is Uh, there's so many things i don't know Mm. obviously about myself about people about the world about finances and it's like man if i want to figure it out i need to learn yeah mm-hmm. and so I, I i try to find the different avenues 100 percent. they say leaders are readers right how could and, you not yeah and they say if you want to know the, the key to life it's in a book like successful people put everything in books the reason people are not successful is because nobody reads 
Mm. Like the secrets are all there. They're in books, but nobody reads. There, there is know, no secret. Yeah, there it's is, on the books. Yeah, <laughs> and there is no secret. It's just hard work mm-hmm. and and not being afraid to fail, and you know, reading and mentorship and action and all that kind of stuff. And like what you're doing right now, right? Taking action. Yeah. I, I left my company not knowing what I'm gonna do with myself. Really. Yeah. I kind of wanted to figure it out somehow. But I had no idea. Yeah. You know, and one thing led to another one and it just keep working away. It's also recognizing opportunity though. Right. It seems like you've been able to recognize opportunity or at least seek it. Mm-hmm. Well, when you find it, you see it, right? Do you know where that comes from? Finding the opportunity. Um, or being able to see it right away. Or at least not right away, but I being think, able to see it. I think I, I do believe in... Uh, when you prepare yourself, then opportunity finds you. Yes. You know, um, I think... Uh, it's I, my life has been obvious when I'm not in the right track of things, and it just seems like it's not gonna change. Yeah. Um, and then just sometimes lives, you know, give you a slap in the face, and <laughs> and you've changed directions. Yeah. Right? It happened to me uh, many times. It happened to me when I arrived to this country, when I got divorced, uh, when I moved to New York. You know, all these things is life sometimes just teaching you something the rough spots are for you to follow something that you're meant to do i feel also it's a it's an opportunity whenever you have an obstacle or failure whatever it's an opportunity to shift go to a different direction to get the result or maybe that result is not meant for you right now maybe some other time but it's an opportunity definitely um when i left i wanted to do a lot more life coaching and then i started doing it and i didn't feel it right I was like, oh, this is not what I wanted. The people uh, be coaching. It's just, it's, the energy is not there. My passion is not there. Right. So it's like, so I minimize it. So I only do it very little. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I learned by leaving this company, by moving to New York, all these things is so valuable who I spend my time with. Yeah. yeah. Association. So I, I definitely, I'm very aware of who I spend my time with and for how long. Exactly. Well, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I feel special. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the associations are everything. And uh, I learned about that in the last 10 years as well because a lot of times we don't want to get rid of certain family and friends because we love them, but they're the ones holding us back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They say, just take a look at the five people you spend the most time with and your life is pretty much exactly like theirs. So if you want to be successful and you're hanging out with people who are not, how are you ever going to get to success? They don't know how. Otherwise, they would be successful. They're not bad people, but it's just they're not they're not going to get you where you what what got you here won't get you there is like the point right right so associations is big you know and uh, um, I learned that too that's very powerful and okay so um, you mentioned your 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 girlfriend right that mm-hmm. she's a, an entrepreneur and mentally tough mm-hmm. how did you guys meet or when did you meet her. Uh, we met probably about eight years ago, but we were completely in different spaces. Okay. Um, we met in the same industry, actually. Okay. Uh, we work for competitive companies. Construction? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And she was working for a solar construction company. I was working for a construction and painting company. Uh, so we competed in a few jobs running to each other. But, you know, they didn't even pay attention much. Right. Uh, then, years later, uh, I ran into her in Coachella. Oh. And I was like, oh, you like this music. Yeah. So we became acquaintances, still barely saw each other once a year, maybe something okay. like that. Okay. But then um, I, in 2017, I think, I did a, a training 
with her brother. Okay. And it was a three-month-long program. So I became friends with them, and I started actually hanging out with her a little bit more. Uh, she's actually the one who got me in the program. Oh. And it was it was very funny because when I really, after my episode in San Francisco, you know, I, I had no idea. I knew I wanted to change. I knew I was afraid. And I knew that she left her company. Same situation. She was making money and left her company at the age of 26 to pursue her dream. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, you know what? That's what I need. Yeah. So I remember calling her and I think she was living in Colombia at the time. Okay. And I was like, hey, you know, there's these things I want to talk to you about. I remember um, I called her and I wanted to talk to her, right? So in, I saw that she did that, left her company and figure it out. Yeah. So I, I knew, I, I think I was looking for a push. I think I was looking for a push, somebody mm-hmm. who will help me to make that move, right? To take that jump. And so I called her out, you know, like, hey, can we go out for dinner and, you know, want to talk to you about something? Yeah. She's like, okay, let's go. So I told her my whole story. I mean, I didn't know I was going to tell her so much about yeah. it. So I, and you know, guys are just friends. So you're like, just, I don't care. I'm just going to tell her everything, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, well, you, I think you need to go and do this workshop. It's leadership work- workshop. I think yeah. it will help you. And yes, it did. You know, I went there and I realized like how stuck I was in my life in so many ways. Yeah. And that was the beginning of, of the change. Oh. So, you know, she was there. She has to this day a really good uh, example to, you know, persevering and resilience and pursuing your dreams and just shifting and moving, doing mm-hmm. what you have to do to get to the place you want to go. That's awesome. So you, you called her up, you poured out your whole story. Yeah. She got you in this course and now you're on your way to, to where you're at now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's how we started seeing each other as friends you know i i will knew things about her i will help her with a few different things her projects things that she was doing at the time and we just started seeing each other like that a little bit and one day i invited her to burning man because i i love burning man right it's like i know you're into festivals and music but you got to experience this this is different yeah and i know that you think you've seen it all but you have to experience this (laughs) and she's like not this year uh, maybe okay. later and at that time we both were in a, in a relationship so it was okay. really just a friendship just a friendship mm-hmm. yeah okay she was in a relationship i was too and it was just a friendship and in that time uh i broke up with my ex uh she broke up with uh her right. ex and then you know one time i called her it's like hey in three months it's gonna be burning man like do you want to do it or not like got the tickets all of that and she's like yeah count on me all right. So she showed up to Burning Man, and that's where the magic happens. There you go. That's where so, the magic happens. So I Burning heard a lot Man. of magic happens yeah. there, Burning yeah. Man. So I've never been. Yeah, let's talk about Burning Man because you were you created the Freedom Project at Burning Man, mm-hmm. right? First of all, how'd you get into Burning Man? Was it always something you did? Um, and then talk, how'd you get into the Freedom Project and all that stuff? Right. So I have friends that used to go every year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they will always say, you know, you gotta go, you gotta go. I'm like, ah, sure, whatever, you know. I go to festivals, I go to raves, I know all that, yeah. like I've mm-hmm. seen it all. And then, you know, I went for the first time and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. I loved so many things about it. So then I started going every year, uh, ever since. And so then, what makes it different than just a regular festival? Well, to start, there's no money. No money. Right? So no money? No money. So you can't buy anything. Oh, wow. Oh, Everything is uh, gifted. Mm. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Um, you have <clears throat> just the... The weather of it itself is, is crazy. You know, you could be at 95 degrees in the desert and then you could be at 30 degrees at night. Wow. So how you have to prepare yourself to live in that environment for a week long or more if you were part of a project like I was, then, you know, 
you need to bring all your food and all the equipment and you know there's, there's so much to it that is different from a simple festival wow mm. so you basically have to create a city and and learn how to survive on your own for how long is it it's one week for the open public okay when you have projects like i had you go there in advance it could be a week before three days before it depends how big your project is and how long were you there for for your project two weeks two weeks okay so how did that where did that idea come from in your mind i think it's uh when i learned that i wanted to do something different and i want to help other people uh-huh in a way, I wanted to create this space. In my head, it was like, I want to create this space in Burning Man where people will come and, and just rest from the sun, rest from the dust, rest from the weather. Yeah. At the same time, it could be a place to you know, meditate, it could be a place to do some yoga. Mm. Any of those things, it was in my head. And I wanted to, I actually went to the Burning Man org and to an event they had and it was like, hey, you know, I have this project in my head. And it was literally came to me on dreams. This, this is what I want, I want to do wow. it. And then this is it. I'm looking for an artist to make it happen. And they're like, no, you're going to make it happen. Oh, wow. And they're like, you're the artist. And I'm like, no, I'm an artist. Yes, you're an artist. Oh, wow. I'm an artist. Yes, you are. And I was able to put together a few people to make it happen. Wow. Um, yeah, it was very challenging at the time. Yeah. But it was an amazing experience. Do you still have photos of that? Yeah, I have photos and videos. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Check That's that cool. Out. Definitely. We, we can even... Uh, if anything you, you want us to put, we'll put in the description like that you want to promote. We'll help you with your book and all that. But so, so you basically built your project for a week. So I, so I started building it uh, here in a warehouse. Okay. Uh, it took me probably a thousand hours to build it. Wow. So it was very long. A lot of people helped me. Okay. A lot of people helped me to do it. And we kind of built the whole thing and we just took it apart. And then we just assemble it over there. Oh, yeah, so like a Lego. <laughs> exactly. And it looked like a Lego. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it looked like a Lego. Yeah. And so like, how was it received? Were like people were like, wow, this is amazing. It, it was really well received. Uh, when you bring art to yeah. Burning Man, they treat you well. It's, you know, it, there's so much art. I mean, you find mm-hmm. hundreds of pieces that are just wow. Yeah. So it was, I was very well received by, mm-hmm. you know, by the organization and by people. I think for me, the most amazing part, of it, there was two two events that happened. One was just the emotional creating it. It's like yeah. this big thing I did and I dreamed about, yeah. I made it happen. I was like, then I started really believing, oh, I can make my dreams happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play professional basketball anymore, Yeah. but I have all the things in my life that I can do. Yeah. yeah. And that gave me that little extra push, you know, yeah. believing in myself. And there was a part when I was, at, at night you have to put uh, turn on the lights of the pri- of the you know the yeah. space so i was going there every every night to turn them on make sure they're running all night long yeah and i was, I was arriving there was like this 60 year old couple just <laughs> hugging inside you know spending some time there wow i think that was one of the most beautiful like i don't know maybe the whole thing was just for them yeah for that specific mm-hmm. moment in the middle of nowhere you yeah. know they're having an intimate time yeah. that was yeah. really priceless for me at that moment. Mm-hmm. Wow. when you said you wanted to help people wh- where did that come from i think um Part of it was helping myself in a way. Like mm. I was in such a space where I felt helpless, mm-hmm. and I told no one, so nobody really knew. I think that I, in my head it was, you know, I, I knew there was other people there that needed to heal themselves somehow, and I think I was healing myself really yeah. at the same time creating a space for other people. Yeah. It was just that transition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we had this this awesome ladies on our podcast a couple of podcasts ago. 
and they created something similar called the Chrysalis Space. Yeah, Desi and Ev. Hello. Yeah, Desi and Ev. <laughs> how's it going? They're actually driving across. Maybe they're across the country. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Last I I saw, they're just leaving Louisiana. So mm -hmm. they drove from here all the way to they're going to, to Carolinas, but. Mm -hmm. They created a space in Oakland and they're taking it over there where women could come and be creative and it's a safe space, kind of like similar, right. similar there's to... There's nourishment, there's no alcohol, vegan food, you mm. know? Yeah. So again, it's very similar to, to what you did. So uh, now it's 2017. Uh, was that the same year that you and your current girlfriend got together? Or? No, that was after. Oh, okay. We got together after, yeah. Okay, so so now you guys are together. Um, how long were you guys friends for before you actually became a, a couple? Well, very little. We were we knew each other. We were acquaintances. We were yeah. not even friends. So just, oh, acquaintances. Wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're like I knew about her and you about me. I think we had like two conversations prior. Right. You know, um, then we started being friends. She helped me a lot to, with that project as well. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of questions because uh, in order to fundraise the money. Yeah. Um, I was looking for to do some events, so I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to bring some DJs to some club and sell tickets and people come and all of that. Two failures completely. Yeah. But I, she helped me a lot, though. She wow. helped me a lot um, to put them together. Uh -huh. So in that time, I was talking to her more. Oh, wow. So you have to, like, raise all the money yourself. Yes. Unless you have it already, you have to pretty much raise it, right? Right. How long did it take you to raise the money? Well, I did two events and I raised raised only like a couple thousand and I spent twelve thousand on the thing. So oh wow, so you put, you put your own money, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that probably made it even more special because you had so much of your own energy in the game. Yes, exactly. You know, and then Joe said this earlier, and I believe the same thing. Money is energy, right? If you think about it, there's no limit to the amount of money. They just keep printing money and printing money and printing money. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, right? But there's there's plenty of money. There's just a very small percentage of people who can attract it and attract a lot of it, right? Um, okay, so now you guys are together. Um, and you mentioned she has very tough skin because she's an entrepreneur for a long mm -hmm. time. What was she doing? What was her business? Um, that, what that, she, business she has right now? Yeah. Uh, she has a couple of different businesses. Okay. Uh, the one she started a long time ago, well, five years ago or something like that, uh, it was, um, it's, it's a music and charity uh, uh, company. So they, they also, through music, they, they reach out to other organizations and they help them, uh, poor countries with water, things like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. The company is called Neo Now. Okay. And, you know, that was like the main mm -hmm. big thing. She knew she wanted to like impact the world and she just followed that dream. After that, she created a, some coaching business. Um, she has like a, um, a car company, a uh, greeting car company. Oh, wow. So, yeah, she's doing a few different things. So, uh, she's a, she's she a is consultant an entrepreneur. for going in the fields. Yeah, she like, has her hands in all kinds of in things. Her black, in her, it's in her blood. She likes to be an entrepreneur. She's thinking of writing a book. Like, there's all these things. She has a very entrepreneurial mind. Mm -hmm. That's cool. You know, I'm just like, I just catch the reflection of it. There you go. Hey, that's a good person to have around, you know? Yeah. Yes. Especially if you want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. The worst couple could be an employee mindset and an entrepreneur mindset. Like, I don't even think they would last. Like, honestly, like one would feel like one's holding the other back too much and that would not work out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, you moved to New York recently. Yes. Why, why was that? Exactly a year ago. A year ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. A year ago. Oh, well... It was a funny story, I guess. 
um, we were driving to downtown San Francisco. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to live there before. I was just driving, and I look at all the buildings. And I was like, mm, maybe we should move to New York one day. <laughs> and then <laughs> a month later, it's like, okay, I already told my parents. You told your parents what? <laughs> We're moving to New York. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, you're like, I was just kidding. <laughs> I was just kidding. Yeah. And then I saw just the sadness on her face. And then, you know, she told me the story that she left her heart in New York and she always wanted to come back to New York because oh, wow. she lived there uh, before. And then she had to come back because uh, her dad was pretty sick. Wow. So she came back to, you know, help take care of him. But she always wanted to go back. So I guess she was just waiting for me to say wow. something. How you like? How you like it so far? New York. You know, so I moved right before the winter. Oh, yeah. So it was so great. And then it was coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> so I haven't enjoyed as much of it. Although oh, okay. the summer was pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, I kind of have enough of it. Yeah, I've never been to New York, but it, you seem like you're a big city guy. So, I mean, San Francisco and New York are probably the two biggest cities in the United States. So well, is your girlfriend from San Francisco? Yeah, she was born and raised there. Okay. So, so so she was born and raised there but she went to new york fell in love mm -hmm. that's crazy how did you i mean it, it just tells me that you guys are the right for each other because she didn't even tell you anything about new york and you're just like we should move to new york and she's just like what like like that's crazy did you just think of that or how did that i just saw to the tall buildings yeah you know, and i get attracted to tall buildings oh, so you like the big like, buildings and yeah stuff. so i was yeah. like oh i want to live in new york and after that i think it was just making it happen i mean i have just left my company and I was in my head. It was well, if I'm gonna start from zero, I can do it here. I can do it there. Yeah. Pretty much gonna be just as hard yeah. and as difficult. And you know, we did it. We took yeah. a month long, uh, month long road trip, uh -huh. which mm. was really fun. Wow, that you sounds know, fun. Saw a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. That I, yeah, I don't think I'll ever see again. <laughs> like what? Like Kansas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we went yeah. to Kansas. That's that awesome. must have been different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you, yeah, this, we went to a lot of uh, national parks and mm. a few different cities, so it was really fun. Yeah, you know, spending a month long. Yeah, with, uh, and we didn't live together or anything, so we that was our decision to move together there. So that was oh, our wow. first experience actually living together, like in literally car. in the car. So yeah, yeah, when we make New York, it's like, hey, we didn't kill each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that's actually a very it's good, a good test. sign. Yeah. yeah. If you can withstand a month-long road trip, you probably mm -hmm. can withstand, you know, being together, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, any um, in interesting or amazing things happen on, on, like, on that little trip? Uh, yes. Uh, a few different ones. Um, she is very afraid of heights. Okay. She's afraid of water. Okay. And I just took her, like, some crazy hikes where oh, wow. you have to go with the chains and Zion Park. Oh, you took her to the Angels? Nice. The thing? Angels, yeah, Angels Landing. Oh, my God. I'm afraid of heights. I would freak out on that thing. You <laughs> took her on Angels yeah, Landing. Yeah, like, I, I really want to do this. Let's do it. And he's and it like, how long more? Just a little bit more. A little bit more. <laughs> what, what is that like? Because so I just saw videos. It. Like, it. it looks like literally like you're just like... Yeah, Cliff I mean, straight you're, down. you're pulling yourself with a chain. I mean, there's places where you slip, but you let it go, you'll die for sure. Wow. They, they don't let all uh, kids to go to those things because mm. it's, it's pretty dangerous. Yeah. So we went to that one and um, yeah, we did a few different things. I think um, what we learned from the experience and from each other was we didn't need anything. I mean, we were in a tent yeah. every time. Mm. We just drove to a tent and I remember we will have this like, like soups you know you just put yeah. hot water and yeah. some sausages at night yeah. and, and it was perfect you yeah. know when we stayed at the cities and the hotels you know we enjoyed it mm. but we learned that we could enjoy both yeah. things you know it's very humbling being yeah. in the mountains 
simple life, you know? It's, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I like nature a lot. Yeah, okay. a lot. Me too. So it was, uh, she didn't like it so much and now she loves it. There you go. <laughs> she just didn't experience that before. Mm. Yeah, they mm. say if you want to conquer your fears, you have to face them, number one. And then it, I guess it kind of just taught you guys that life is pretty simple. It's just being with someone that you care about and, you know, having food and mm-hmm. shelter and amazing experiences. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. So um, you've been in New York for a year, but oh, unfortunately, yeah. COVID has kind of taken over New York, yeah. right? I don't, I've never been in New York. New York. I want to go. I'm not really a big city guy, but I just want to go for the experience, right? Um can you explain a little bit about what it was before and kind of what it is now in New York? You know, uh, when um, COVID hit, uh, I remember I actually had an accident on car accident on March 13. And that's okay. when I was, I decided my life is telling me not to be driving and stay home. And uh-huh. I remember Elaine was like, there's this COVID thing, this happened. I was like, yeah, it's just nothing. Yeah. Like, don't believe everything the news said. You know, yeah. I was completely in disbelief. Like most people, because we know, don't trust the news anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, right yeah and this happened and i was like okay i'm just gonna stay home like not gonna work and i was i was really stre- stressed out at the time because i was like you know how i want to make money things were not that easy it was, it was so difficult and then it's covid and i was like completely you know afraid of it so i was in a bad state and my experience with the whole covid was that right yeah. um, i remember calling my brother and it was like man this is happening and he's like well if you have no place to stay, if New York is a disaster and everything is horrible, I'm like, well, just come to Mexico. There he has go. two houses. He's yeah. like, you live in the other house. And when you get on your feet, then we we'll figure it out. That's cool. And that just called me. That mm-hmm. and another conversation I have with a friend of mine, uh, he just called me, right? And I was like, okay, yeah. well, if it gets horrible, let's let it be. Yeah, you realized you, you, you had a place, like, it wasn't like the end of the world, basically. Yeah. And in my head, it's the end of the world. Like, yeah. Like, it's yeah. a story, perception. right? Perception. Yeah, perception. It right? kind of brings you back when you were, like, what, 18 or 20 when you first came here in the United States. You were, like, freaking out. Like, yes. What yes. It, it, it really is so similar. I feel mm. like every 10 years, life is teaching me something. It's <laughs> <laughs> something I need to learn because yeah. I haven't learned it in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was tough to be, you know, in a new place. Uh, no friends. Mm-hmm. I don't have. Uh, Elaine has some friends, so I, you know, we saw him a few times, but we really didn't have. I, I didn't have a, like good yeah. relationships out there, and that people that I know for a long time, like I had here. So it was a big change. Yeah. And then trying to figure out a new career, you know, and that trying to figure out how to be financially stable. Um, and, and New and, York's and, not cheap either. No, it's not cheap. No. Are you guys in New York City? Uh, yes. Oh wow! So you're like in, Which the, in part? the midst of it. We're, we're in Brooklyn. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know it hasn't been easy there. At the beginning, it was not. And the coronavirus there just hit really hard at the mm, beginning. Right. You know, if you saw the numbers, it was just yeah. crazy. So, you know, we were just sheltered pretty much, yeah. not going out, and spending again a month, two months, just me and her not even yeah. going out everything is delivered <laughs> you guys are prepared <laughs> uber <laughs> eats yeah i mean like, we've we, been doing this we, the last we month. learned so much from each other again there you know we realized mm-hmm. that in the worst of the worst we'll be fine yeah mm. wow all that's amazing need, all you need is, is, is each other mm-hmm. and some water 
Yeah. Simple food. <laughs> and some soup. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of people look at this whole lockdown as a bad thing. I look at it as, as a great thing. You it was know? a bliss for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, here. I do feel for people who are suffering and people who got sick and yeah. people who lost loved ones. However, if you didn't, I mean, there's a lot of people spending a lot more time with their family than they ever did. They were just so busy in like no family time or it was like watching TV, not even spending quality time. A lot more people got into fitness. A lot more people started businesses. Uh, the, it seems like the world just kind of woke up because we got time to stop yeah. and smell the roses, so to speak, right? Right. And reevaluate our whole life and be like, am I doing the right thing or not? Yeah. And like it also opened up a lot of people to be entrepreneurs. Because like they all had like a little skill, but now you really needed a side hustle because your regular hustle was gone, you know. And they realized I can't really rely on my job because it could be gone in mm -hmm. a second, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and for me, it just it, it was a big change of time. That's when I became partners uh, for Sexy Trees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. Um, I like he, that name. <laughs> he, had, he had, you know, Alex. Shout out to Alex. Yeah, and. He talked to me about it a little bit, just kind of mentioned it the year before. But then he called me again and he was like, hey, he talked to me about it seriously. And I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. This is perfect right now. So the universe brought it to you. The universe. And it's again, you know, the people you surround yourself with, the relationships you mm -hmm. have, I think it, they meant the world to me. Yeah. So talk a little bit about Sexy Trees and, and your businesses that you got going on right now. Yeah. Well, Sexy Trees is, uh, uh, you know, Alex is an arborist. So he built, started eight years ago, a tree servicing company. Okay. So money does grow on trees. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Is that yeah. your slogan? That, that's Alex's. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. right, he always says, and I'm like, yep, true. There you go, yeah. So, well, it's made out of yeah. paper, so there you he go. He started that company, and he done really well. He yeah. done really amazing. And, you know, when he asked me to be part of that project, just to grow a bit more, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. I'd love to be part of it. And especially somebody, you know, Somebody that I know so well, somebody I love as a friend, you know, he was, yeah. yeah, you know, we've been friends for so many years. It's a, it's really cool and exciting to be part of something with someone. You yeah. guys probably know about yeah. that a little bit, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody you respect and appreciate to be part of a project. So he trusted you enough to, to let you in on his business, you that's, know? That is, that's, a, it was eye-opening uh, for me to see how much, uh, he trusts me and yeah. appreciates me. So he person. must be a good person deep down if people can trust you like that. <laughs> deep down. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know you had a crazy life. No, We've yeah. all, no. all had crazy lives, you but, but yeah. who you are as a person I doesn't never, change. Yeah, I don't think anybody has ever too completely bad or completely good. You yeah. Know? Mm. We're human beings, you know. Mm -hmm. We do yeah. things. <laughs> so you got that. You got the coaching. Yeah. Um, uh, I uh, is coaching, consulting. I started it. Uh, you know, my idea is more work with uh, organizations, companies. Can mm -hmm. I go there teach uh, workshop lesson uh, on leadership mm. and you know exercises just interactive that kind of thing uh but i've done some uh life coaching one-on-one -on -one as well yeah. but again those are very very limited so you, you focus on businesses or people or both or which what's business. what what do you prefer businesses i prefer businesses okay so any businesses out there what you're in brooklyn right <laughs> brooklyn yeah yeah so if you're a business in brooklyn you need some coaching here you go, right here. Yeah. Uh, do you have a website? Yeah, I have a website. Okay, well, what's the website? And then we'll put it in the description as well. Right, SergioLopez.co. SergioLopez.co. So check them out. Um, yep. So now you're in New York. Um, mm -hmm. 
is, is are things kind of opening up now with the whole pandemic? Every, I think they never closed it really. Not, oh, they not didn't. like here in San Francisco hmm. because oh. I, because of sixty trees. I fly every month here. Back okay. Before, you know, I spend a week here every okay. month, and I remember over there it's a little different there's a lot of little bodegas little stores everywhere you know yeah. it's not like california that all the big stores is the costco the safeway and all those mm. big yeah. stores small businesses small businesses there are a lot of mom and there. pops mom and pops so many yeah. um kind of like in mexico it's like yeah mm. sometimes. yeah it's funny yeah so those businesses you know they didn't close completely they just put on restriction you yeah. know uh, they so probably th- couldn't they would have been gone yeah exactly mm. so yeah. many of them stay sort of open they never completely shut down. Okay. Uh, there was a time where, the, you know, it was really empty, everything. You know, you could see on the videos or pictures of you know, people putting on uh, social media. Right. But it was always a little open and then just gradually uh, opened up. And in New York, it was much faster than here or Chicago, all the cities that I've seen. Right. Uh, that I've been. They opened the businesses on the sidewalks. They just closed the sidewalks and opened the yeah, restaurants there you and go. all those things. And oh, like an outdoor dining outdoor service? Dining, yeah. Mm-hmm. They just popped everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, spring came along uh-huh. and started coming up. People started coming up, you know, coming out more, a little bit more and more. And yeah. then summer came along and it was just a world of people outside. Wow. So mm-hmm. that was went like, right back to business as usual, just outside. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I love patios. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny because you, you do you mentioned something and I want to talk about it real quick. I think I've talked about this before, but if you grow up in a small town in like Mexico, for example, there's no jobs, there's no corporation. You have to have a tiendita or a restaurant. You have to have some type of business, or you're working in the fields breaking rocks for like seven dollars a, a week. Right. You know, right. it's like there's no job. So a lot of immigrants, especially if they come from smaller towns, they come here with already the entrepreneurial spirit. How did you get that entrepreneurial spirit? Was it was it always in you? Did you get it from your current girlfriend? No, I think uh, it was from sports. Sports, yeah. You okay. know, uh, I was exposed to a lot of different people, um, people building businesses and things like that, and that competitive uh, mindset, right? Yeah. Which competitive mindset supports you in some areas of your life, and 100%. some other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it was I always wanted to do better, right? And once I started saying, you know, I'm gonna get this job, this promotion, doing better, doing better, and I wanted to be the best, came to a point where I had no space to room in the organization where I was. Yeah. Um, there, there was a room that has to be very specific, doing exactly what they wanted, yeah. and it was like that sounds great and money wise, but it's not what I want. It's not for me. I knew yeah. that, so I needed to find somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like if I want to have the type of life I want gonna do something else right what that is i'm not sure and started thinking about it first i thought it was gonna open the same kind of same type of business yeah uh got even my license and you know i incorporated the company and everything but just never took the jump right but then you know these other things happen so that's the entrepreneurial mind i think there's many ways to make an impact you know i have employees you can make a huge impact if you have employees right but not every business owner wants to yeah, that's in reality you're creating jobs for people yeah. mm-hmm. you know creating jobs giving them life you know all that kind of stuff and um you said something important is being an athlete because mm-hmm. like you're competitive mm-hmm. you're part of a team you you ha- you're coachable right you work in a system and you always want more like what sports you don't want to be sports and be the loser you want to be the champion you know what i mean yeah so yeah you're right sports does tend a big role to high achievers and and success and entrepreneurship and all that 
And then uh, talking about sports and athlete, uh, I, I know you're on a fast right now. <laughs> yes. For three but, days, right? Uh, right. So you're on a three-day no-food fast. Yeah, so I, I fast. I do water fast. I, okay. no, nowadays, I do one day every week. Okay. And then every month and a half, I will do three days. Um, right now, today, right now, I'm, I'm 72 hours. Uh, I'm going to go into tomorrow, maybe 80. Mm-hmm. If tomorrow feels good, I'll go another day. Yeah. Uh, it depends how my body feels. I, yeah. I'm just very aware of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm feeling really great after yeah. three days. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. What inspired you to start doing that? Ooh, again, reading, mm. learning about, you know, mindful breathing, learning about what you put in your body, mm-hmm. you know, who you become, you know, being an athlete, uh, it was always running my only way to maybe be in shape, mm-hmm. but I didn't really thought about the benefits of fasting in your mind. You know, it has obviously a benefit in your body, right? You're giving your, your insides a break because it takes a lot of energy just to process, especially the bad food that nowadays is around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're giving your body a break, so it rests. But at the same time, when you're fasting, your cravings, your, your, your mind starts resting as well, you know, because you don't think about food. You yep. know, you just go about your day and put your mind in other things and it clears, you know, I feel like your mind is kind of cloudy sometimes because all the food that we eat, especially if you drink, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or do drugs or whatever, your mind, your headspace is not perfect. Because when you do a fast, it just cleans your system so beautifully that I really recommend it to anyone. You guys have tried it? Yeah, I, I do intermittent fasting daily. I used to be on 16-8. I switched to 12. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you go back to our, our they say, oh, caveman. First of all, caveman didn't eat a lot of meat. They would be hunting for days and probably would not eat. That's where it comes from that we don't mm. need to eat because the hunters would be on two, three, four, eight-day hunts. And then when they would kill an animal, they'd bring it back to the village and share it with the whole entire village. So they weren't eating like a 16-ounce T-bone steak every three <laughs> times a day. They probably had a little tiny piece of meat. Most of their diet was vegetables, grains, depending on where they live, what they could rate, what they could grow, right? Um, so inherently in our bodies, we're, we're not designed to be eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, big heavy meals, like snacks all the time. And then another thing you said, I don't know if people realize this, but digesting food takes the most energy out of anything that you do for your body. So if you're eating big meals, heavy meals, mm-hmm. drinking, your body is t- using, like, imagine like a video game, you know, the power bar when it goes down. Exactly. You're like down to 10 and you're, it's, you need to use that power for everything. But most of it is just used to digest. Mm-hmm. And so the fasting, especially when you're older, number one, it burns off the little extra fat that maybe the hardest ones to get. Like you said, I got rid of my addiction to food. Because we're addicted to food. Oh, yeah. You know, hangry, right? Like, I used to get hangry. If I didn't eat, I would like be like, ah, oh, I couldn't function. Now, sometimes I forget to eat. I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to eat before the day ends. You know what I mean? Uh, so, like you said, yeah, it gets rid of your addiction to food. Uh, uh, the 12 hours burns fat. 16 hours, I think, is uh, something like clarity. And then once you go 18 hours, it's like your immune system. 72-hour fast regenerates your entire immune system. Mm-hmm. So you basically reset your whole entire immune system. I think it does something in our cells. It so heals the cells or yeah, something Yeah, like there's that. a lot of things. That, there's so many benefits. There's mm-hmm. a really good book, uh, Paul Bragg and her daughter, uh, can't remember her name. It's called uh, 
the miracle of fasting mm. is really good. I don't agree with it. Oh, everything on the book. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that. I don't agree with everything. But because it was written like in the 70s, right? So there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, old information. But it's amazing how that much old information people, you know, knew about the benefits of fasting. I mean, you know, Muslims do it. Catholics do it. There's yeah. a lot of benefits of fasting. Just we store crap in our bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you need to get rid of it. You don't need it. A lot of toxins. And if you don't give your body the break, then, you know, it stores and that's what you become. Yeah. yeah, it also helps me with uh, my sugar addiction. Yeah, hundred percent. Very helpful. And mm-hmm. and sugar and I, I was mentioning before, right? Mm-hmm. When we talked, and sugar is the only thing that gives me well, it's coffee a little bit. If I drink too much coffee and then I do fasting, my headache. I will have headaches. Yeah. But normally it's sugar. If yeah. I have a lot of sugar that week, then I'll get a headache on fasting. It's the withdrawals. It's, it's the withdrawals. And if I don't, then I don't have a, a headache. Yeah, people don't realize sugar is a drug. It's yeah. more addicting than heroin. It does the same to your brain like any other drug. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why you see little kids, they become like little sugar addicts because you give them all this sugary food and they're just like basically little addicts, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. That can cause ADHD as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Bad sugar. Yeah, don't even get yeah. us started on health because like... We'll <laughs> talk I, know, right? yeah. I feel like that's one of those things I was completely unaware of it. And yeah, eating, it helps you a lot, especially mm. coming from. I mean, you can speak for, but I, you know, we both come from Latino cultures, right? Right. My father was a great cook, so every time my father would cook, the whole family would come over, right? And um, you know, traditionally, it's the women sometimes cooking. My dad was the chef; he used to own a taqueria. Like he's, we used to have three types of meat at every meal, like cheese. But it was kind of healthy, but I mean, we would just eat, right? So you come from a culture that's all about food and eating massive amounts of food. And deep fried. Yeah, and deep fried, right? There was a comedian that he's like, oh, I had a stroke when I was 12. He's like, we deep fried everything. He's like, mijo, you want the popsicle thrown in there? Let me fry it up for you, you know? You want a salad thrown in there? I'll fry it up for you, right? But anyway, so we come from this culture of like eating and just eating massive amounts of cheese and fried food and sugar. And then to go to fasting and then it kind of like wakes you up and realizing like, what was I doing my whole life? Like, oh my God, I've just been a, an addict mm-hmm. like to food, to whatever. Dr- not just drugs are the only thing you get addicted to, right? Yeah, no. It's like you're on autopilot because yeah. if you've been yes. conditioned for so long, even in my culture, Filipino culture, you know, eating rice and meat for breakfast. Yeah. That's, that's what I knew growing up and, you know, eating Lucky Charms for breakfast before school mm-hmm. and then find out that I'm always sleepy in class. I thought there was something wrong with me, but it was yeah. the food that I was eating. It's because the lack of education, that's all it was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Even when uh, I myself, if I eat, you know, bad food, when I call bad food, it's processed, like Oreos or something like that a lot at night. The next day is so difficult to get up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much more difficult than, you know, when you eat different kind of food, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something healthier. Like whole foods, basically. Yeah. Not, not I mean, processed. I'm all about yeah. whole foods, organic, mm-hmm. um, yeah. mostly vegetables. You know, I do eat meat, protein. Mm-hmm um but yeah yeah so what got you into fasting i think i i I knew that uh i could be healthier and i started trying a lot of different things i Mm -hmm. went vegan for a little bit Mm -hmm. you know vegetarian see what i was what i like what i felt right what it was Mm -hmm. not easy but where i felt my best yeah and having that entrepreneurial mind you're like you know i want to create all these big things i need energy yeah and i need consistent energy i can't be like lazy in the couch in my bed just because 
what I'm eating. So I need to be mm-hmm. healthy. No food coma. So, you know, just start learning different things. And when I talk about things like this, sometimes they're like, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Yeah. So I started fasting. I did it in many fasting. Uh, I, I have tried different ones. And then this is what I, I found I like the most. Mm-hmm. So this works with you the my most. my body mm-hmm. and my head. So you do the long-term fast once a week. And then once a month, you do a three-day fast. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere. I don't know if I could do this, but I read somewhere like, cause I, I'm over 40, right? They say when you're over 40, you should do 16 hours and then every other day, 20 hours, like literally 20 hour fast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, geez, like, I mean, I have no problem fasting, but I have that fear of like, am I going to get enough, going to be able to get enough calories in within those four hours? Cause I eat one meal and I get super full and then I can't eat no more, you know, and I work out like mm-hmm. six days a week. I want to get enough protein and I'm vegan by the way. So like I, I do get like nutrients, but like I need to get all of it. And I just found that I can't get it in with a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but fasting is amazing. Like, by the way, don't just go do it. Like do research, right? Do, yes, yeah. yeah. Know yeah. your body yeah. for sure. Because like <laughs> some people will just go and try it and they, they might hurt themselves, you yeah. know, like don't go do a 72 hour fast until you've made be doing some 12 hour fast. Yeah. Whatever, just start you know? with a 12 hour. Yeah. And it's super easy. Just skip breakfast. You know what I mean? Like, if, and don't eat super late. Mm. Like if you stop eating at seven, six, eight PM, don't eat till at least eight AM, six, seven the next day, you know, right. or just skip breakfast altogether and then start with lunch. That's fasting, you know? Yeah. Make sure you, make sure you drink water. Yeah. Because bre- lots of water, mm. lots of water. Yes. Mm-hmm. So breakfast break fast. That's what it means. That's what it means. It doesn't mean you have to eat it in the morning. It means you're breaking your fast because you slept all night and you didn't eat. Hopefully, some people probably sleeping in bed and eating in bed, right? But you're just breaking your fast. It doesn't mean it has to be in the morning. It just has to, it's when you break your fast. Yeah, mm-hmm. and one of the things I've learned is, so you're in the period of fasting, but it's so important what you eat before you fast and after you fast. Exactly. How you break that fast is as important as you fast. 100%. So it's, yeah, what you said, you know, yeah, read this tons of food books YouTube. nowadays. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. There's yeah. so many ways to learn. Yeah. definitely and start slow like anything else you know I've, mm-hmm. I've been doing it for years now so it, I, your body's I, I used to it i wasn't like this like my first no. three day fast it wasn't like like i'm doing right now like yeah. perfect energy and i feel good yeah the first one was challenge yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah so all the information's out there and i like what you said it's very important what you eat before and after because like before I knew, I was breaking my fast with anything. And that's not a good thing, right? Don't break it with sugar. That's like Huge the worst thing. Ice cream? Yeah. Did you have a vegan yeah. ice cream? No, I know. I would just, I don't remember what I break. But now I learned, by the way, there's a guy called Thomas DeLauer. He's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He's like real, really good at fasting. He says if you break your fast with the, like a protein, like a lean protein, that's really good. If you break your fast with fat, your body will be like, oh, okay. So fat's my, my source of energy. So it'll burn more fat. If you break it with carbs, it helps you build muscle. That's what he said, mm-hmm. right? Again, do your own research. But lately, I've just been breaking it with like a really lean protein. I, I eat this stuff called seitan, mm-hmm. which is made from wheat, right? But it's like vegan meat, basically. It's a little block, 170 calories, has 35 grams of protein in a block. Mm-hmm. So I eat a little one like that. It kind of gets my system going. Then I'll have like a smoothie because it's like fruits and vegetables. It's not very heavy. And then I could eat whatever the hell I want after that, right? Until it's over. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, so fasting and, um, and you're in New York now, and you just wrote a book. Right. Tell us yeah. about your book. Well, I wrote it last year, you know. Okay. Like I said, it took me nine months to, to finish it. 
and then I edited myself a few times. Wow. And then I was, you know, looking for whether to publish it or, you know, self-publish or find somebody to do it. And, and I was at that search for a while and I kind of sat on it for, for a little while. And then I found my cousin um, to help me out with the editing. Alondra, shout out to you, girl. There you go. She's doing an amazing job. She's really doing fantastic. And, you know, she had a couple of edits. She's doing the last one. So when that happens, I'll have it published uh, probably in early uh, next year. Okay. It's early exciting. Yeah. Definitely let us know. What's yeah, it, definitely. definitely. support you. Yeah. What's the book yeah. about? It's, uh, it's different stages of my life, but different specific events that okay. I lived through. Like, so, you know, like coming across the border illegally, what it was like. Yeah. You know, um, just a different story. Uh, my childhood was uh, very difficult. Certain things uh, I'm uh, talking about it. A lot of uh, you know my parents' divorce, uh, many things. Yeah. And then um, basketball is one yeah. of them. Uh, and you know it's all self-development, it's uh, mm -hmm. personal development. Yeah. But it talks about you know how certain things can just drive you to do good in life or take you the wrong way. Right. Um, my uh, my OD, you know, in my apartment, yeah. what it was like, uh, not telling anyone trying yeah. to figure it out i don't think that's something people like uh you know want to tell usually because they don't want to open up about that right thank you yeah. for sharing that yeah thank yeah. you yeah. it's like hey here's mm -hmm. a huge failure idea. <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah right but it's not a failure it's a lesson right? yeah th this there's a few the specific things there that are just does not happen to everyone like you know my childhood was you know i was physically sexually abused when i was a kid mm -hmm. so it's open that as a man and yeah. like you know it gets to be said mm -hmm. um the drugs, the parties, the women, like all these get to be said. And the good things too, right? Yeah. And how I actually, as an immigrant, chose to have money, to make money, to have a, make enough to have a living. How I chose to have good relationships, you know, learning how I uh, damaged so many relationships and knowing that the whole time I was the problem, not the other people. Right. Yeah, I've always believed that um, you are the problem and you are the solution. Yes. As simple as that. That's what gives you the power though. And yeah, sometimes it goes so hand in hand. You know, it's uh, you take responsibility basically mm -hmm. with your life and yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, thank you for sharing that because I mean, you're gonna help a lot of people because just some things you mentioned, like like you said, not a lot of people have been through that, mm -hmm. or maybe they have, mm -hmm. and they're 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 they want to keep it, and they're like you said, they're not live, they're not able to be themselves, and right. maybe they're gonna. I mean, I know they're gonna read your book and be like, oh wow, there's a way out. Like, and so you know, that's gonna. I I I see that being very successful and you really helping a lot of people Thank because you. that's very powerful so look out for his book uh yeah. early 2021 2021 yeah okay um and uh yeah so now you're in new york what's the next steps Whew, so many things uh, yeah. working a lot of projects you know getting the book out it will be one of them mm -hmm. um growing you know the sexy trees company now my partner and i we're starting uh we're into getting another business out next year too and maybe also but actually two business out oh wow because he he and i really align on entrepreneurial mind mm -hmm. like we we think we can do so much you know and do bigger things to help ourselves help all the people like you know we can build businesses that actually give people a life of dignity it's very yes. important to have a partner who's also on the same mindset as you as well like it's so important right because if not you could have somebody that's pretty basically dragging you down or slowing you down and stuff like that mm -hmm. um so okay so talk more about your businesses so sexy trees what what cities are you guys in 
we are mostly in the East Bay. Okay. But we do come to uh, we do a uh, we have done in San Francisco projects with cities, counties, things like that. Okay, so you guys work with cities and counties mainly, or just homes too? All of it. All of it. Mm-hmm. And All of it. What do you guys? Apartments, you know, anything. Uh, we are just growing. Uh, this year, I think we we're probably gonna grow between fifty and seventy percent wow. from last year. And you know we're excited about it. We're taking the gas to Vegas. All the all the employees to Vegas to yeah. celebrate. Um, you know, right now looking into giving all of them uh, medical benefits. So it's like wow, we, it's we, growing. We believe in in giving them you know a life of dignity because yeah. a lot of businesses out there today they do have employees, but those employees can barely survive. And right. We don't think that's right. Working poor basically. Mm-hmm. And, and you know we don't we don't see life that way. Yeah, hundred percent. And like that's just an abundant mentality. You think a big, think abundantly, take care of your people, and they'll take care of you. And the business is obviously growing. Right. You know? And it's like, you know, the business not making enough money. Okay, figure it out. How can we make enough money to yeah. provide those things to our employees? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's really good. Um, and, I just you know, want to ask something real quick. Sexy sure. trees. And you guys do uh, tree removal. Mm-hmm. And what else do you guys do? Uh, well, tree removal, you know, we prune. Prune. Um, mm-hmm. We assessed also uh, do plans for years to come you okay. know, for properties that have a lot of them. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so uh, where can they find Sexy Trees? Uh, just sexytrees.com. Sexytrees. <laughs> that's simple, sexytrees.com. I mean, with, with that kind of name, how could you forget it, right? right you know? exactly. If you have ugly trees in your yard, call them up and they'll make them sexy, right? Yeah. Right. There you go. Awesome. So, I mean, man, it's been a great, great conversation, Sergio. I mean, you're an amazing person and I look forward to you completely achieving all your goals and sexy trees growing and you planting yourself in new york and um anything else you want to share with everybody before we wrap it up here uh no i just want to say uh you know there'll be more stuff coming up i know i have some ted talks coming in there's uh all the things that you know i'm very passionate about a lot of things right now that's awesome Um, so they'll be coming and at the same time you know thank you very much joe for thinking of me yeah thank you isaac you know yeah you're welcome it's uh it's a pleasure to be here it was a lot of fun yeah, yeah, it was a pleasure call. to have you. I can't wait till you do your TED Talk. Then we can maybe have you on after that and see how that was, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, do you have your questions? I do. I have like more than six. All right. Yeah, so now we're down to six. All right. So, we always like to wrap it up with a little segment we call Joe's Six Questions. So Six Qs. The Six Qs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, go ahead. Yeah. So, as I was listening to your story, um, you know, I want to ask you, like, what advice would you give someone who's basically, you know, struggling with their health, like with addiction and ODing and stuff like that? I think um, the the advice would be uh, don't don't find your space in guilt or shame. I think open up. Find even even find one person to open up with. You know, one single person it makes the difference. Uh, makes a huge difference, and you go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really find that you know you need help, uh, yeah. do it. And it doesn't, it doesn't. You don't have to be this person living on the streets already because of drugs or you know doing all this, you know, crimes and things. No, it could be small. It could be just you just got off, you know, where you want to go and you think you might need some support, or you know sometimes it's not somebody helping you, but sometimes it's just, um, you know. Like in business, right? If we are together in something, we can support each other. Just mm-hmm. accountability. It's just simple as accountability. Mm-hmm. But when you live in your own world and you don't share what's going on with you, uh, you just it could just get worse. Mm. 
That's great, great stuff. So, right authenticity, yeah. open up. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, what advice would you give someone who's basically not being authentic to themselves, being fake to themselves, living the double life, as you would say? So, the simple advice would be, you know, be yourself, right? But um, <laughs> that's, um, there's so much to it. You know, why mm-hmm. you have an image or why you make so much effort because you spend a lot of energy putting an image that is not yours right right so the reasons that are driving that you know it could be as simple as your ego or it could be something more deep rooted right trying to feel seen to be loved Mm -hmm. i mean there's so much right so again talking to people will help you to process that reading uh there's so many uh, there's nothing wrong with getting a coach there's nothing wrong with getting a therapist it's it's healthy actually to have somebody else that can help you to process things got it um so what advice would you give to someone who's basically you know start who started over in a different place that it that's exactly what needed to happen you know just Mm. trust trust yourself trust that that new beginning it's what it was meant to be for you because um, I think it was the guy who started KFC. I think he's, you know, he started KFC like 65. Yeah, he was 65. Kenny Rogers? Yeah. Is that his name? Um, uh, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> oh. yeah, Kenny so, Rogers is the singer. <laughs> so, you know, start, you think in your head, you know, I'm too old, or in my head is, you know, whatever this, the reason that you're having in your head, that mm-hmm. conversation, it's just perfect for you. If you start to something new, just go after it, you know, and yeah, there'll be failure, but pick yourself up and go nice i like that it's a good clips um so what does following your bliss looks like for you following my bliss definitely just doing all the all the little dreams in my head all those well, little and big just following all of them um mm-hmm. and really grounding myself make sure this is the right thing in my heart to do so following my bliss is helping people along the way i mean by by me doing good in the world is it's good enough you know and <sighs> like you said money just follows mm-hmm. yeah then do what you love and the money will come yeah, i believe if, in that if people see you happy mm-hmm. and living a fulfilled life they're going to want to do the same thing yeah. mm-hmm. maybe not the same thing as you but they're going to want to f- find that fulfillment like in life and happiness right awesome mm-hmm. so uh let's say if you're like at the end of your life right mm-hmm. And what do you think will be your proudest moment that you've accomplished or didn't get to accomplish, but it happened? The proudest moments? Mm-hmm. Oh, like I'm looking many. back. And I think it's the time I share with the people I love. I don't, I realize I don't have to do anything huge, amazing. Just mm. giving my full presence and attention to the people I love in a given moment, that is, that's what me life's all about. That's beautiful. Um, it's breathtaking. It's hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got, I got up. one more question. If I can find it. There's so many. Um, oh, okay, so what's your number number one wish for the world? Just one. Oneness. Oneness. Mm. United, connected. I love that. I mean, there's a lot to go into it, but... We can see all the choice as brothers and sisters. Yeah. The world will change by itself. Thank you so much for taking the time. Seriously. I'm so happy. For some reason, you just popped in my head like, oh, I should 
you know reach out to you you know we're facebook friends instagram friends and i'm like see what what you're up to because you told me you were moving mm-hmm. and i was like where is this guy so <laughs> i'm glad yeah. that you come out here in california yeah, every month happy. so thank yeah. you thank you for taking the time yeah i think that's the perfect way to end this thing thank you again so much sergio it was a it was a pleasure thank you i'm excited for you mm-hmm. like uh man it, this is awesome yeah and uh yeah thank you guys so much for tuning in uh as always i say we're going to be the number one podcast in the world our goal is 250 million subscribers we want to help inspire people to find their true purpose and follow their bliss it's never too late you're never too young you're never too old right thanks again for being here sergio you're awesome thank you very much. thank you joe Appreciate it. yeah and as always follow, follow your, your bliss, bliss. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Our goal, as always, is to become the number one podcast in the world. And uh, make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Make sure you share this with three of your friends. And if you like our song, our intro song, please check out my good friend, uh, Maroni Silva's band, A Dead Desire, on YouTube. That song is called The Mantra. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. And as always, follow your bliss.